Welcome to the Next Level Soul podcast, where we ask the big questions about life. Why are we here? Is this all there is? What is my soul's mission? We attempt to answer those questions and more by bringing you raw and inspiring conversations with some of the most fascinating and thought-provoking guests on the planet today. I am your host, Alex Ferrari. I'm always looking to help the Next Level Soul audience take their soul to the next level. And I've been able to partner with Mind Valley to present you guys with a ton of free master classes between 60 and 90 minutes covering mind, body, soul, relationships, and conscious entrepreneurship. Some of these master classes are taught by spiritual masters, relationship experts, best selling authors, legends in the personal growth and spirituality space, and so much more. So if you want to sign up for any of our free mind, body, and soul masterclasses, just head over to nextlevelsoul.com forward slash free. Disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of the show, its host, or any of the companies they represent. Now, today on the show, we have Ingrid Honkala, and her near-death experience is remarkable because she almost drowned when she was three years old, and then she started being able to see mysterious beings of light that guided her throughout the rest of her life. She became a research scientist and oceanographer and worked with the U.S. government, NASA, and the Colombian government doing her work. She then retired after years of working in this field to go full-time and share her wisdom of the beings of light. Ingrid and I had a fantastic conversation that I know will enlighten your day. So let's dive in. I'd like to welcome to the show Ingrid Honkala. How are you doing, Ingrid? Hey, Alex. Thank you for having me here. This is such an honor. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. I'm I'm excited to talk about your journey. You've gone through a few things in life. Uh, you, you, you know, you're not your average person. You, you, you do a few thing, different things, which are really interesting. Uh, but what brought me to well, you, how you came into my, into my universe was your near death experience. And you had it at such a young age. I think you're the youngest near death experiencer I've ever spoken to, or at least I had it at, at that such a young age. So can you tell, I normally ask, what was your life before your near-death experience, but you were two. So there wasn't much life that you were living other than like, hopefully I can go to the toilet. Uh, so there wasn't a lot of, of life experience there. So can you talk a little bit about what happened, uh, how you died and and what happened on the other side? Yes. Oh, this is, this has been quite of a journey. Because like you say, it started when I was so young and yeah, what happened at the time is that my parents work and they would leave us at the care of a maid. And she was this young lady that when my parents were not around, she was into her radio novellas. So the soap operas. Of course. <laughs> and then she didn't pay attention to us. And one morning, very early, my parents left and my oldest sister and I just realized, she's not paying attention and we went to play in the patio in the house and the thing about this patio is there was a big tank 
And this tank, the purpose of the tank was to collect water for hand washing clothes. And this tank held about 900 gallons of water. So it was a pretty big tank. And my sister and I saw a ball and decided, let's play cash across the tank. And then, because I said it was a pretty big tank, we just grabbed stools, we climbed on the tank. And next to the tank, there was a, a surface for scrubbing for washing clothes. So my sister just sat on that surface that were a little, she was more safer there. And I went to the other side of the tank, which was just a thin edge. I bended my legs. And of course, at that moment, we're not thinking about any danger. This is so much fun. So she had the ball and she threw the ball and she didn't apply enough force. So the ball fell in the water and it was floating. And I thought, oh, I can grab it. I leaned forward. And when I touched the ball, it rolled and I lost my balance and fell in the tank. The first feeling, Alex, was the sense of this water was frigid cold. People have the misconception that I, because I'm from Colombia, I come from hot weather country, but Bogota is pretty high up in the Andes. Mm -hmm. So the temperature of this water, I don't know, was between 30, 40 degrees, six in the morning. And it was that sense of like, like my chest imploded, like, and I was frigid cold. And after that, it came the sense why I cannot breathe. I had never been in a pool. We didn't have a bathtub. So I did not have idea at that point in my life, being almost three years old, that if you fall in water, you cannot breathe, that you drown. And I entered into this state of panic. You can imagine, like this desperate attempt, I need to breathe. But I didn't know how to swim, nothing. And I just sank in the tank. And this is just the incredible, amazing part. And is that when I am in this state of desperate terror, horror, I cannot breathe suddenly from that. Absolute peace. I didn't know what happened, but suddenly I was calm. I didn't not have the need to get out of the tongue, to breathe, to go anywhere. I was just completely calm. And it was like, this feels so good. And from that, people always ask me the question, how can you remember if you were so little? And throughout this conversation, I want to bring that to clarity and one, Imagine the trauma that I experienced during these moments of terror and drowning. After that, I bring a lot the word contrast. Why? Because there was many things that were like pretty extreme. So one thing is that I lived in a house that was very noisy. There was always noise. And the last thing I heard with my like ears, like almost like, in my head was my heart beating. You know, when you get very scared and it was the, the heart was beating in my head like a drum. 
And when I entered into that space of peace, it was silence. And I call it the silence behind the silence. It was so profound and so calm that I craved that silence for the rest of my life. Later, I will go into closets, under the bed, in chapels, whatever. I wanted that silence and I why I cannot find it. The other thing, the other contrast was that this tank was completely made of cement. It was a dark space and it had a roof. Six in the morning, last thing I saw in this space was the darkness of the space. And when I went into the state of calmness and peace and joy and serenity, the last, the first thing I saw was a light and it was a light that came from below. So it was the sense like, oh, now there is light. And it was even now <laughs> a lot, even more, more amazing, like there is light. And the next, next thing I started to see bubbles and these bubbles were surrounded by light. And it was like, oh, what is happening? And it was like looking at these bubbles that I or chasing the bubbles that I turned around and I saw a body. And it's when I realized, had that clarity, the realization oh, that is my body. But it was the sense of like, oh, this already kind of happened before. Like it was the sense of familiarity, like this is not new. And the other thing, it, it was just... um that uh, sense of that there was nothing to fear. Everything was okay. And the other contrast that came at this moment is that I was born as a very sick child. And I spent almost the first three years of my life feeling unwell. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. So imagine now, Alex, I'm experiencing absolute well-being. I didn't even know what was to feel well because the only thing I knew was this sickness. And now I'm like, oh, I feel incredibly well. So when I look at the body, my reaction was like, I'm not going back there. Forget it. And I turn around and I left the body behind. So see, it's like this, all these contrasts, I mean, how can I forget this? And after that, the moment I turned around and I started to walk away, I saw flowers that were blooming from nowhere. And it was majestic and the flowers pick me up. So imagine even I lost the sense of dimension of how big these flowers had to be to pick me up. And I, but now I'm being picked and I'm being carried and I just like, oh, completely relaxed. I said to people that give the analogies like going back to the womb where you're not doing anything. You're just being done. And I'm in just such a bliss. And from there in just a bling like that, I appear in the maid's room. And I was looking at her from above like I'm floating 
and she's just like listening to the the soap operas in the radio completely unaware of what is happening and I said oh that's Maria but nothing happened then from there like that in another blink I appeared in my mom's path she was on her way to work she didn't have a car and she was close to uh, get to her bus stop she had to cross this like very big neighborhood so it was about if you're walking slow like about 10 minutes to get to your bus and from above I again floating I, I looked at her and this is the part Alex that blows everybody's minds and that validates validates experience and is that at that moment I said oh that's mom and when I said this she stopped she did not give another step she did not she just stopped and it she had this knowing something is happening at home with one of my babies and I have to say two things my mom had a, an amazing intuition but the other thing is that she listened to that intuition because that's the part that many times we don't do and then she turned around and she started to run and I just looked at her like oh why is she running and then but at the moment that I'm looking at her because I changed my angle of vision I saw a dog and a dog was at the end of the road and I'm like oh because I love animals the moment I had the desire to be with the dog I am with the dog I'm like oh what just happened? So I looked and now on the, the other side, there was a park. And the moment I decided to be in the park, I am in the park. Oh, now I was having so much fun. I'm like, this is great. <laughs> and I'm having fun. So imagine for me, all the sense of time and space as we know it disappeared. And I started to play that game of going places. And when I was having fun in the midst of all that in another just like blink like that and a flash, I appeared in a realm that was made of pure, bright, intense, shiny light. At least this was the first time, even, even beyond that sense of serenity, that sense of peace, that sense of well-being, the feeling was oh I am home I am home and it was that again that sense of familiarity like this feels so incredibly good like I put the analogy when you've been working really hard throughout the whole day and you get home and you have this comfortable delicious couch with tv and a cup of coffee <laughs> imagine just like this feels so good and this is an incredible because up to this point, I didn't have the realization yet that I was not that persona, that I was not that body. Although I saw the body, I didn't have that connection yet. And it's when I had this realization, I am not that. And it's when I realized myself as a being of light. And I just started to have this sense that I was kind of like dissolving, like I'm part of this, the whole. And then 
it went even beyond and, and it's when I, I bring the word that scared many people, but I, I experienced what I call nothingness. Some call it non-self, some call it emptiness, some call it wholeness, because at the same time it's like that sense of it's nothing that you know, but you're like experiencing the whole. And I, I another analogy to bring this to clarity is like if all you knew about yourself is a little tiny box in the middle of a stadium. And now you open the box and you realize I am more than I thought I was. And imagine I was only a three-year-old, but even (laughs) almost three, even that little is like, I'm not the sickness I thought I was or anything like that. And, And then I enter into in the state of the, the only thing I can say the words I can use to describe this state is a state of absolute presence and and just just pure consciousness. There was nothing. I I, I don't even have words to say it because there's nothing that you can um, describe or you can give um, color or movement or or sensation. Nothing. It was just hold me that maybe I could use the word bliss bliss and when I am in this state my mom finally arrived home and this is the other amazing thing and we live in a big house but my mom knew exactly where to go it's that inner guidance so strong and she directed herself to the back of the house where there was my sister there sitting uh, still like in the in the um, scrubbing area and people ask me why she didn't go call the maid why she didn't go call for help and it's because we didn't supposed to be in this playing in this tank that was out of limits so imagine children like i don't supposed to be doing that she's going to get mad see mm-hmm. this is what happened when we get fear and then she i don't know if i mentioned but she was little too she was three I was two she was three and then she tried to get me out of the tank but we're grateful she didn't fall too because she couldn't reach me so when she saw my mom she's like mom Ingrid is there and I cannot get her and my mom jumped into the tank she got me out and these are the synchronicities the incredible things in life I just say I meant to be here because she was trained to do CPR. She worked with children. Oh, wow. And she was trained to do CPR for children. And then she got me out. She knew what to do and whatever. She, I, I imagine that anguish at that moment. And I did not feel anything she was doing. I'm in you, my place of... You're watching this? You're watching this? Is going no, on. I'm in my place of bliss. Oh, okay. I, this. At that moment, Alex, I'm completely disconnected from this reality. There was nothing I felt, nothing I experienced about this physical reality at this moment. But what I experienced was suddenly like I had jumped from the tallest building in the world. And there's nothing I could do to stop this. And it was that sense of like, no, I want to Pulling you back. back. Pulling yes. you back. And I felt like I was being vacuumed. Like I was being sucked. And then I cannot, have you ever 
jump from uh i don't know a very tall building or don't they whatever at a pool like a high jump that you feel this vacuum thing that was the feeling wow and then now i knew i was back in the body because the pain because of the coldness because of imagine the sense of again being trapped in the little box (laughs) and that sense of expansive being was now here and i was very angry We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. And I didn't want to be here. And this became a problem because I was so angry that I refused to eat. I didn't want to participate with anything. I didn't want to play. I didn't even want to be touched. And uh, it escalated through time and, and I became sicker because of the accident itself. And then what happened too is that imagine I came, although I was so little, I came back with an awareness that clearly I didn't have before. And this awareness was like the sense of like, I'm not just this, I'm not this child. I am more than this. And when I was looking at my parents, I'm like, they're not just my parents. I felt them as my equal because I had experienced that sense of oneness. And I couldn't relate with this body and I couldn't relate with this name. And looking at other children was terrible because I'm like, what is happening to that people? They don't know anything. And I could not even get close to any of these people I even felt like a little bit more comfortable with adults and this is not all I started to show abilities that I didn't have before and what abilities are these I'm telling you I'm just about to be three years old and now I can read and write I can resolve mathematical problems I can put together complex puzzles I can paint so imagine I, this started to show little by little and the people around my mom that was a teacher were like, what is going on? There was no knowledge at, at the time. There was no understanding. There was nothing they could use to understand what was happening to me. But it's when I said that the help that I needed came in the most remarkable way because it wasn't happening <laughs> in the outer and it's when I said that for me, the, the doors never close. And that's another reason why I never forgot the experience is because it didn't end there. For me, things kept happening. And you know, years, years, years later, Alex, when I, and I will talk about this communication with what I call being so light, but when I ask the being so light, the universe, like, because I always kept saying like the door never closed, the door never closed. So the answer was like, Ingrid, of course the door never closed because there are no doors. <laughs> like what we call consciousness, God, kingdom of heaven, home is always here for everyone. But due to conditioning, due to beliefs, due to experiences, due to culture, due to whatever, we start creating barriers, what we call the veil. We start creating doors and making it like 
and I'm having the sense that none of this is possible or these connections are possible for, for us. But then what happened is that I uh, started to also experience what I know we know today as out-of-body experiences. And every time I went to bed, I will experience colors, movements, frequencies, things that I have never experienced in my human physical reality. And at the beginning, it was kind of like, like, what is going on? But I will be in, every time I was brought back to that realm of the light. I'm like, oh, this is what I want to be. So I started to sleep a lot. And my parents, of course, fired that lady. They hired a new one. But hey, if a child is sleeping and is not giving you any trouble, then let her sleep. And I slept a lot. And, and in one of these journeys, one day I was surrounded for like lights that were shining in all different colors. So imagine this is so incredible. Who wants mm -hmm. to be here awake? <laughs> I'm having fun there sleeping. And in one of these journeys, one of these lights that were shining in, in gold shaped itself into a human form to kind of show me, look, we're the same. And it's when I said, oh, you are a being of light. And then I woke up and oh, now I wanted to sleep. Now it was <laughs> like this thing that I don't wake me up ever. But then of course we need balance. And how this balance presented. How long after? Now I was about four years old. And then I was taking a shower. And I'm just relaxed there when I saw this intense blue light that appeared in the bathroom. And now is when I said, now the beings of light are here. And when I started to sense the presence of these beings and I started to see them everywhere I started to feel the sense of oh I feel good and I feel like I am more at home and I started to feel that okay I'm okay to play and to eat and I started to heal and this is when I bring another amazing teacher that I learned years later and it was the realization that home was not a place was a state of being See, I didn't have to go there to have that joy, that peace. I could experience it here too. And then at the beginning, these beings, they didn't say anything. They were just presents. And then every time I, I saw them, it was like this joy. And, and then I started to be able to sense their presence and to smell like this incredible smell of roses, it was this perfume and the time I was able to, or the first time I was able to hear them was a day I threw a big tantrum. Although I was already feeling well and everything, I was very disconnected from my persona and from my name. And every time anybody called me, it was like, oh, that Ingrid, that's not my name. And one day they were calling me for dinner and I'm like, no going. And the lady like came like, Ingrid, we're calling you for dinner. And I said, just don't call me like that. That's not my name. And she said, then how should we call you? Which name should we give you? And I said, I do not need one. Oh my God. You, oh, 
just so rough child. I mean, as a parent, I'm like, my kids start doing this. I'd be like, honey, I don't know what to do with you. I like, I, what can I say? I'll call you it, it, it. Can you come it? Can you come to dinner? Like at a certain point, I have to ask you, I have to ask you, yeah. you know, we're both from Latino culture. So I have a, a sense of the family unit, yes. especially at that time in, in history as mm -hmm. well. Uh, not the most, generally speaking, not the most evolved of uh, of humans. <laughs> Our parents were. Uh, because because their parents were less evolved than they were. Mm -hmm. They did the best they could uh, with a lot of love and everything like that. But how did they handle a child like you in that kind of culture, which is not, it's not an easy culture. You're living in Colombia. You're and they're telling you, you're like, no, that's not my name. I don't, don't call me. I don't need a name. I can only, I could hear my grandmother in my head as you're talking, going, pero que te pasa? Like, I mean, I could already, I could start speaking Spanish. Like, this girl's crazy. Esta muchachita está loca, as they say in Spanish. So how did, how did they begin to relate with you? Because all these things, I'm assuming you told them about the, the, the lights, the, the beings of light, or did you keep that quiet? Oh, at the beginning, it was like uh, a little bit of like, if you mention anything with like, oh, of course, this child is making stories, of course. she's having all these dreams, she's this thing. But there was the, the, the important thing that happened that very day that I heard the beings of life for the first time was that, of course, imagine with that, they sent me to bed. Stop with this tantrum. What are you talking about? This girl, I pity my mom today. Because I'm like, how my mom did with me? <laughs> oh, my God. They sent me to bed. Stop with this madness. And then, of course, I was crying. I was disappointed. I didn't understand. And it's when I heard for the first time. And the being so light said to me, it's going to take time for them to understand that names are not needed in the realm of the light. So imagine this complex stuff. I'm like, oh, I get it. <laughs> I know now why I don't need a name, but of course, later I have to understand that names were needed here and that, of course, this is our human Tax, Taxes. Yeah, everything <laughs> else. I know there's no taxes in the realm of the light, but here there is. Exactly. And this is the <laughs> other thing. That's the part where they said to me, you have to remain quiet. They're not going to understand. And for me, it was like, what is not to understand? That was my reality. Sure. And they're like, you'll see. But they said, but there will be people putting your path to help you and to guide you. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. And my mom already had, she was kind of looking because... I'm not now going to give you the, the key of how is that she was able to deal with this and understand. She was the first person that validated that I could see things. Mm -hmm. Because um, now I went to kindergarten and the beings of, I started to understand, be more quiet because yet nobody is getting it. And then it's when the beings of like told me not to talk, but they didn't tell me not to paint. And I started to paint beings of light everywhere like it was like shiny lights that's the way i saw them and then the teacher was so curious and she's like 
what are these? Because she's like, why is this child painting this everywhere? And I was already regarded as, as a strange child. Imagine. You've been labeled. Normal <laughs> one. And then, then now like, I'm painting all this stuff. And she's like, are those like the sun, the stars? What the heck? And I said, no, these are my friends, the beings of light. Yeah. And she's like, oh, <laughs> oh can you imaginary friends. <laughs> I mean, which is look in kindergarten. That's fine. We can have imaginary friends. It's not a, it's not you. It's still somewhat in the realm of acceptability, even but at that time. Then, not as much. Not as much. Yeah, we're like we need to call your mom. This child has some problem, and my mom came, of course, and they're looking at the pictures, and we discover something else because my mom is looking at all these, and then. All the pictures, I remember other ability I had was to paint. They all have distinctive color around. So when we discovered, I could see auras too. Of course. And then is when they were looking at this with curiosity, everything. And then I said, I wanted to be validated so bad that I turned to my mom and said, mom, these are the colors that we wear. And these are my friends, the beings of life. And my mom, because you know how the Latino is like, she made me these eyes like, oh, like the mom eyes, like, be quiet. And I looked at her because she didn't want me to be in trouble at a school. So she, she immediately said to the teacher, oh, this is just a face. We will work it. And we left. And on the way home, it's when my mom said to, the, to me, I believe you. I said like, imagine like what and she's like yes because i also see things that others cannot see oh that's how she was able to work with me or i would have ended up who knows in a mental in a, in a mental ward absolutely yeah because my mom is when she confessed to me that she could see what we call spirits and she has been able, she was conscious of her clarity seeing these spirits since she was like five years old. But she had learned to be quiet because people will say things and you don't talk about this. And her aunts, she lived with some aunts, you never talk about this. And it's when she said to me the same thing and she validated the being so light, don't talk about this to anybody. They don't understand. And then, incredibly, the first time I started to see spirits too was when I was six years old. And then it's when I went to my mom. I, I was a mom and of like, not a good one. I had an experience was very scary. And it's when I ran to my mom and I said, mom, the beings of light and the spirits are not the same. And it's when my mom say, explain, explain, because she thought we were seeing the same thing. And I said, no, 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 they are like this. And then my mom started to cry. And it's when she said, I think you can see angels. And I said, mom, they cannot be angels because they don't have wings. Because <laughs> we all we knew <laughs> was the, the religion. And then, uh, but she said, it has to be, and it has to be your guardian angels. And, you know, in the Latino culture, it's just all these part of the angelic realms are your guardian angel saints, and, this, saints, and, right. and all these so we she taught me to pray all these prayers to just be with these angels and never be afraid of these spirit stuff but 
because I was so curious and I was already talking to the beings of light. I went and asked them, what is the deal with this? I call them darkest spirits because they caused me fear, not because there was nothing like that. Oh, bad. But then it's when I heard, I thought what I was going to hear, like, yeah, those spirits, you us are all different. No, the answer was incredible. It's when they said to me, that that you call spirits, you, us, in essence, we're all the same. The difference is the level of awareness that you have about who you truly are. And then they, then after that, I asked, my mom said that you are angels. Is that what you are? And look at the incredible answer. They said to me, we are what you want us to be. You can call us whatever you want. And then the next person that came that because now I needed clarification about all this stuff I was receiving. I don't know what they're talking about in many instances. And look how everything was playing so amazing for the evolution of my spirituality was my grandmother. She was raised as a Catholic, but she was a very rebellious woman. Mm -hmm. She wanted to know more. She wanted to study more. I don't think this is it. She joined an order called the Rosicrucian Order. And then they started to learn more about spirituality. Then they started to learn about Hinduism, Buddhism, the Kabbalah, the chakras, everything else. And she brought this to our home. And when my grandma came, she, she was the first time that taught me meditation. I was eight years old. Oh, wow. And when my grandma started to talk this language, I said, you talk like the beings of light. And my grandma and I became. Oh, no. Peas and, peas and carrots. Peas and carrots. Yes. So from there, yeah, my path. Imagine having this possibility of now be with somebody that understood. But imagine, just Alex, imagine how hard my life was at a school with other children, oh, with no. people my age, with my own self. So by the age of 12, I told my grandmother that I wanted to die because yeah. I didn't feel, I felt I don't, I don't belong to this world. Nobody understands other than my mom and my grandmother, there was nobody. And then it's when my grandma got really nervous. Of course, this child, 12 years old, she wants to kill herself. I, I didn't ever mention kill myself, but I wanted to die because I knew how it felt. And I'm like, I don't want to be here. And then it's when she said, I'm going to bring you to a place because I always talk about to my grandma to that silence. I want to go somewhere where I have that. And she took me to this little Buddhist temple. And in this little, and in Colombia, that was unheard. But she oh, knew no. about this little place in the middle of this neighborhood. Yeah, I mean, now it's probably a little bit different, but back then there was not a lot of Buddhist. No. It's, it's, a, it's a Catholic Christian yes, country. 98%, probably 99% oh, yeah. of the population was Catholic. The, Spaniard, the Spaniards did a good job. They did a good yeah. job when they came down there. I mean, they... Yes, yes. <laughs> and, and, I, and I cannot tell. I mean, the teachings I received from the Catholic teachings were, were also, many things were very beautiful. And I was very much completely in love with God. Mm -hmm. When I did my first communion, when I was nine, all I wanted to be was with God. Okay. But what... what perspective. What didn't work was that I went to the priest and I told the priest that they have to stop fearing God. 
<laughs> because God was love. How could you fear the one that loved you the most? What do you think he said? You don't know anything. You're just a child. That's the words of the devil. And she put, yeah. No, the words yeah. of the, of yeah. course, anytime it's, it's always the words of the devil if they don't agree with you. Yeah, because like, how can you say that you don't fear God? So it put me to pray. And that's when I, that happened at 12. And that's when I was like, now not even the priest in my community is understanding what I'm trying to bring here. So I, I, I got really, I was depressed. I was very down. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. So when my grandma took me to this little Buddhist temple and I just kind of felt, oh, this feels so good. And the smell of incense. And he came this, this monk and he taught me how to do a breathing meditation technique. And I'm like, oh, now I feel so connected. And I felt that sense of that silence, of that space of, this feels so good. So when I finished the practice and we were about to leave, I told him, I don't think my mom, my grandma can bring me back to this temple because she's very busy. And he said, you never need to come back to this temple. And I said, why? And he said, because you already have a temple. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, you are the temple. So wherever you are, you can bring this meditation technique with you. So that was so, so important to me because it's like now I felt, oh, now I have a refuge. <laughs> now I I can just, I have my grandma, my mom and, and that sense. And my grandma was taking me to all these spiritual things. But still, it was very difficult in a school. I was being bullied. My oldest sister became my protector. And imagine I had through time now we were four sisters I had three more sisters so we were four girls and now the boys and the parties and the stuff and I felt I didn't feel attraction to any of that so but my sisters you have to be of this world and then you have to listen to this music I always felt like I don't belong so it's, it was a really hard journey in that sense but let me ask you though because I mean, from what I understand from speaking in the in the studies I've done over the course of my life is that we choose our life journey. We okay. choose our, we, we create our life's blueprint, our soul's blueprint to come down and, and uh, experience this. So you, you at a certain level told your, you said, no, I want to go down there and experience this. I want to die at, at almost three I want to go through this experience. I want to know the truth and then have to deal with that truth for the rest of my life. So this is the journey that you're going through, which is not an easy journey. I mean, it's kind of like knowing the secrets to the door or secrets to the safe and nobody wants to, no one wants to believe you. Like, or there's, you know, the, the secrets in general and like, no, what are you talking about? The world is flat. It is not round. No, the, the earth revolves around the world. The universe revolves around us, not us around the sun. You're insane. So these kind of you had that kind of information for yourself. You had to walk through life with, and everyone looks insane to you. Um, which is what I've I've said this uh, this analogy a couple times on the show, where I you know it, it, our journey here is very much like a movie set because I come from the movie world, and that you know when Tom Cruise 
gets goes into Top Gun, he puts on the Maverick costume and he's mm-hmm. Maverick. And he goes, he drives to the set, he puts on his 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 air air, you know, whatever. Uh, he goes to the set, he does his acting, and at the end of the day, he takes off the jacket, takes off the glasses, and then he's Tom Cruise again. The insanity that we all live in is that we believe we're Tom Cruise in Maverick and that there's nothing else around outside of that, that there are no movies, there's no movie lights, there's no directors, there's no other actors. These are, it's all real. And that's the insanity. So imagine you walking through life, even to this day, look at people around you going, you guys don't, you guys believe in that you're in the matrix. (laughs) You, you believe that this, you believe in the illusion uh, you believe in the allegory of the cave by Plato. You, you believe in the shadows on the wall. That's what you believe the reality is, where I've walked out of the cave and go, no, 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 the light's back there. That's the truth, and nobody wants to believe you. So that must be a difficult, you know, one thing for me to say it, knowing it intellectually and knowing it, you know, as a tr- as a truth in my life, you experienced it. It's a whole other level. You've walked outside the cave. I've been told and I believe, and I truly believe in spiritually inside that that's the case, but you experienced it outside that cave. So it must be extremely difficult for you to walk as a child. I can't even imagine, but even today, as you walk through life, people around you, I'm assuming there's a psychological thing that you've had to kind of cope, coping mechanisms that you've had to deal with over, over the course of your life to just even be able to function in, in the world. Correct. Very much, very, very much to the point, Alex, that when I was 19 years old and now I am in college and look at the perfection of everything. Why do you think I choose a career like marine biology, marine science? The first question is like, how could you pick that career if you drown? Right. Like, as, as you di- if you died by a bowl of pasta, you're like, I need to be a chef, an Italian chef. Like, <laughs> like, like what? And I said, oh, that's the key. I said, because I didn't stay in the trauma of drowning. Drowning brought me to see the light. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's like how throughout the course of my life, I became also like scuba diver, master scuba diver. Like, how can I go deeper? This is like this parallel of like, how can I go deeper? By the age of nine, I was reading books so, so deep in spirituality, the Bhagavad Gita, books of self-realization. While other kids were watching the Muppets or I don't know, Sesame Street, I'm, I'm reading books on discernment. I mean, I'm, this is the the, the being I, I, I came to be. I was at an other state of being, but it's like, again, balance see we come here not just to be self-actualized but to be uh, not just to be self-realized but to be self-actualized it's not just the discovering i am more i am more than this see i am beyond this is how can i bring it here how can i ground the teachings and how can i live a life in accordance to those teachings, but it took me many years to get there, of course. So first it was going through all those sufferings and picking a career that helped me what? Grounding science. See, that's why it had to happen. And it it also, like you said, you're talking about the blueprint. I started to have visions and I started to have that knowing. 
since I was four years old. And the first thing I knew about this aspect was like, I was four, my parents brought me to see the ocean. And I said to my mom, someday I'm going to know what is there. And by the age of five, I told him I didn't. My dad will always say, how could she know this? I was born in the mountains. And I come to here and I up to him and I said, I'm going to be a marine scientist. And he's like, okay, that's what you want to be. That's what you will do. See, so it's like, I always had these clarities. And then it's when I picked this career that was helping me to ground, but also at the age of 19 is when the beings of life said to me, if I wanted to teach this path, if I wanted to, and I had this, the story is long, but I had an experience in which I kind of pretty much, I had many spiritual experiences like that in which I merged in that state of oneness again. Mm -hmm. I came down and I said to the being so like, I want to be like everyone else. I don't want to be a teacher. I don't. And later in my life, I, I was, I had the idea that I wanted to be normal. And it's when the being so like said, no, you didn't want to be normal. You wanted to belong. That's what we come here. Our main experience as, as human as is connection. We need to belong. So it's like, I, I was so desperate to belong and to feel the sense like I wanted friends and I wanted a boyfriend. I wanted like what my sisters also had. So the first boyfriend I had wasn't going to be the spiritual guy in the clouds like I was. No, it was a <laughs> dead metal band guy with long hair and the party. I'm like, wow, that's what I needed to ground. But this is where I put the other analogy, Alex. And is that imagining the first 19 years of my life, I was, although there was some sufferings, I was walking a room with the lights on because I had the being so light. I had this right. connection. I had the door completely open. There was no door. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then... When I said to the being so like, I, I don't want to teach. I want to be like everyone else. I, I just let me be. The universe is not imposing. They said, okay, we let you be. For now on, you're not going to hear us or see us for a while. And people say, how could you do that to the beings of life? I said, how could you leave home and leave your parents behind? It's the same thing. You need to go college. Even if we're talking at this level, it's like the, the part where... Bye, but we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Call away when you go to college. Mm -hmm. So this this analogy to, to explain how this dynamic is. And then this analogy of the room, but what happened is at that moment, I turned the light off in the room. The beings of light were giving me all that, that connection with that light. And now I like, boop, turn off the light. And for the next 20 years, and this is the other thing, they said to me, in 20 years, you will understand. In 20 years, you'll have the, the clarity you need. And I said, oh, 20 years, you're kidding me? That's forever. <laughs> okay. And now in these 20 years, you could be in this room with the lights on and you don't trip in the furniture because you can see. Now going to analogy of being asleep, what happened when you turn off the light? 
you trip with everything in the room because you don't see. So for the next 20 years, a lot of challenges. I wrote a whole book, <laughs> a lot of sufferings, a lot of, a lot. Why? Especially in my experience, why there was so much, so much suffering. I almost was killed and murdering murder a bitch. I almost was raped. I had a, very difficult challenges with relationships, with work, with everything, because I meant to bring these teachings to no, you're, you're falling asleep. You have to wake up. You have to wake up. But incredibly, those 20 years of suffering brought me to what? Be more empathic. Be more compassionate. Be more open. Be more loving. Because until I was 19, guess I was arrogant too. Because I was thinking, oh. how these people don't see. See? How, a 19-year-old? A 19-year-old arrogance? Stop it. But it's the double arrogance. <laughs> it was the spiritual arrogance. Yes. <laughs> I am I am the most spiritual. I, I am the I'm much more spiritual than you. you I am do, very humble. Yeah. Like, these people, <laughs> they don't know anything. Oh my God. See? And yeah. now after I was for 20 years. I, I see they just kind of keep the beating, the beating the down of the I ego. Like, of the ego. Wow, of the ego. Now I was like. I know how it feels. I know how it feels to fall asleep and be trapped by the matrix. I know how it feels. And when I was, um, incredibly, I didn't, I wasn't counting 20 years, but this happened in which 20 years later, I was invited to meet the Dalai Lama. I was going to ask you about that. How, how, how'd that work out? <laughs> oh, that was incredible. And this, and this being the, one of the, people I wanted to meet throughout my whole life. And then it just happened that I, I had a friend that lived in, um, um, I went to Singapore and she lived in, oh, I cannot remember the, the country, but I went to, in Thailand. I went to meet her and she said she was very, very, very connected. Oh, in Malaysia, in Malaysia, she was very connected. She. And then um, she said to me, they had, they were a family of a lot of wealth. And she said to me, Ingrid, in September, I'm going to meet the Dalai Lama. You want to come? Okay. Of course I want to go meet the Dalai Lama. So now I, I all worked out. I was by this time, um, um, I think I was still working for NASA. And I just said to her, I will work, deal with all my stuff at work and, and I will meet you in September. And I ended up in Dharamsala, India, receiving the teachings of just being right there with him for, uh, I think it was five days. And it was incredible by being there with him. It was a, a moment where I'm sitting next to him and holding his hand and I'm just his compassion, his Oh, he's this person of humility and joy and wisdom. And in my mind, I was thinking about the 10,000 things I could tell him at this moment that I'm holding his hand. And it's when I thought, stop, just be quiet. The inner silence, just enjoy this moment. And it's when I left India and it's when I just fell into the deepest depression of my life because it was a realization of how disconnected I have become 
from my inner truth, from that space of silence, from the beings of light. I have become really busy and I was doing a lot of stuff and my life had become so complicated. And again, uh, 10,000 sufferings. And it's like, now I went to that place where I wanted to die. <laughs> Serious, like, like I thought about ending my life. And the night where I thought about ending my life, I just went to prayer. Is when I said, God, please help me see because I cannot see. I was not asking God to change my reality. I was asking God to help me see because I have become blinded. I mean, like, I love the analogy and I was trapped by the matrix. How can I change the pill? Give me the other one. <laughs> right, right. Then he's like, how can I see? And he's at the next the next day, I woke up with the simple message. It was simple. You need help. Go see a psychologist. It was like that. And then I went to look on, on Google and I found these psychologists in my area. I liked the reviews. I wrote the name. The very same day, two different people from two completely different places gave me this name of the same person. I mean, what are the odds of that? Of course, I, of course. I get it. I have to meet this guy. I went to meet him and he was very professional, very spiritual. So it was like the psychology. I never felt uh, found before that combination of psychology with that level of spirituality. And then this was the right person. And through all the, the therapy, there was a moment that he said to me, write a list of your sufferings i'm like i am a scientist come on i don't write sufferings <laughs> see still in that place of being arrogant i'm like okay i'll write the sufferings he's like this is cathartic do it and then i started to write this list wow yeah that's this journaling thing you know like writing writing i brought this to him and he said wow in my 30 something years of practice i never met someone that has suffered this much and is mentally stable and he's like i'm really bowing to you and i'm like what i was in shock i'm like i never thought i was the one that suffered the most or that i'm like what mm -hmm. then it came that question that i've been asking since i was little why me why this is happening to me and the answer came in the most remarkable way. Again, the short, the very short answer, but the light went on. And when I said, why me? He said, why not? And he's went like, oh! and he started to say, look, thanks to this, you have done this. He wasn't even looking at any notes. He's like, thanks to this, you've done that. And thanks to this. So, so he had been listening. That's the power of listening with presence. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is like, at that moment, I'm like, wow, the switch. And I started to tie all the knots. Wow. And I started to find purpose behind my experiences. And it's when we had that clarity, that realization is not the experience, it's the purpose behind the experience. And it's when, it's this moment when like, oh, I get it. Nothing ever happened to me it happened for me that's so, a really good way to look at it wow at that moment what get imagine alex i enter in the state of 
gratitude. It, it didn't matter. It was, I even had the recollection of the moment where I almost was killed, raped, mistreated, yelled, whatever. And I found purpose behind everything. And I'm like, state of such elevated state of gratitude. So I said three miracles happened that day first. I had the realization nothing ever happened to me, but for me. The next miracle was that knowing at that moment, like time has stopped. I stopped living in the horizontal. And at that moment, I was in the vertical. Like when you know this is a movie. And it's when I'm like, none of what is in my head is here right now. None of it. My only truth is I'm sitting in this chair talking with this guy. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. And that's it. The rest, I can do whatever I want with it. So it came the sense of inner power. So now I have gratitude and this powerful being i never felt that way before because i will even the idea like i am a woman i came from a third world country i this i that i can't i why was that all these thoughts of you're not enough at that moment like i can do whatever i want with what is in my head is my choice and the third miracle was discovering the true meaning of forgiveness because it was that realization if nothing ever happened to me, but for me. So in truth, there's nothing to forgive. So it's the sense, what is to forgive if nothing ever happened? <laughs> right. What is to forgive? And I said, so I could use two words. There's nothing to forgive or everything was forgiven. So, so let me ask you this. It's a question I think uh, people listening want to know. Did the beings of light come back? Fully come, yes, it, it, but it came back even with more power because after this um, realization and all these that happened in the office is when I left, I'm driving my car and I had what I call a huge big awakening. And in this awakening was like, I'm driving my car and it's when I started to feel the presence, what we call cosmic consciousness god source the creator was the essence of absolutely everything alex there was nothing that wasn't it and it's when these questions that i have been asking since i was a child how is it possible to forget who we truly are and when did we stop being one with the whole i always added i was asking these things and it's when the answer came and that connection with the beings of life completely open again. And the answer came and he says, one never stopped being one. One never left the source. One just became distracted with the matrix and seemingly forgot. So that connection, that voice, that everything open. But what I want to bring about the connection with the beings of light, even since I was a child, is that they always said to me, don't believe what we say. Experience it yourself. 
See, otherwise it would have been a red flag. Oh, you we are your guru here on earth or on, on any other realm. If that message come to you, like no, somebody wants to control you, the message always go was go within, go within, and this is that's been the journey. This new journey that I've been experiencing for the past twelve years. I said for forty years, for forty something, I wanted to die. And I'm I'm been just living for the past twelve years, and it's like so. It's a journey to learning to live, <laughs> learning <laughs> to live journey. in the matrix. <laughs> yes, and, and ground the teachings, and be compassionate, and being empathic, and say how can I bring these to others? And this is the 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 thing, Alex. When I had this big awakening, and I'm still working for organizations like NASA. Imagine later for the the U.S. Navy. How can I do or say to these people? I was asking the beings of life because now you want to share this stuff, but I didn't even know how. And the answer was beautiful. They said to me, do or say anything at that moment. They say, the light of your awareness is all they need. So go to that place of being, to that place of stillness. People think that a stillness is doing nothing. They don't understand that stillness produces movement, but the movement that comes from wisdom. So the being so light said to me, wisdom comes from the place of silence. Learn to quiet the mind. Learn to pause. Learn to be just present and still. And from there, you know what to do. You know what to say. It's not coming from a place of reaction. Being reactive right. is coming from a place of knowing. Of the, the wise heart. The place of knowing. Now, you've mentioned that, I, th I think I read it in your biography, that that you're able to go into, let me see, have come and gone into many different realms. What does that mean exactly? Yes, yeah, I have experience. And I that brought me to even have that clarity that we're multidimensional beings. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I have experienced uh, what I would, I imagine there's many more dimensions and realms, but I have experienced uh, about six different, seven different realms. And uh, this happened when starting when with the near death experiences, with visiting, with the out of body experiences, being able to realize, oh, it's not just this. There's more. This is what we can see. This is like when you look at the matrix. This is the part we can see. But there's more beyond. And then um, one experience I had that helped me experience that multi dimensional reality there's there's few but one first that is 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 amazing one day i woke up in in my bedroom and, and woke up in the middle of the night and i was so big so big alex that i didn't fit in the room and i'm like <gasps> so i i felt my expansive state of being and i heard the words grandioso <laughs> it's just like enormous and another one that helped me see how we were existing at all, all these levels or dimensions or realities because I went to sleep and I woke up in the middle of the night because of the sound of a bell. Mm -hmm. Bling, 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 bling. I'm like, 
what is this bell? Then I woke up and I'm like trying to figure out what is this bell? And when I'm trying to figure out the bell, I hear cling, 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 cling. Then I woke up again. I'm like, wait a minute. How can I be waking up if I was already awake? What is going on? And well, when I'm trying to figure this out, cling, 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 I wake up again. No, what is happening? And this happens for like about five times before I was able to even realize that there was something called Ingrid. So the analogy I can give you is like, imagine that you woke up in the bottom of the ocean. Mm -hmm. And if you're in the very bottom of the ocean, the bottom of the ocean doesn't know that there's a wave at the surface, doesn't feel it. Just there in the quiet and in the silence. So the first moment I, I, I woke up with this bell, I in that space of complete quietness, just trying to figure out what the bell was, but it was just, there was not even nothing that made me think that there was a wave in the surface. And then the more I heard the bell, the more I, I was waking up to an state of like there's this other sense of there's all these other things. And the only place where I started to feel that there was something happening at the surface to give the analogy of the ocean, it's like to give the, the, the scientific name, like if you are in the thermocline, when this part already starts like, oh, there's something, there's some currents, there's some salinity, <laughs> there's something happening here. When I woke up, they're like, oh, then I heard again and I experienced what is called the non-physical reality, not oh, more dense. So it's, I, I am becoming more dense as I am waking up in all these different levels until I heard the bell for the last time. And only at the, maybe the fifth time I heard the bell, like I said to you, there was a sense there's something called Ingrid. See the personality thing, like you said, the maverick put in the clothing. The character. Only the character, exactly the role that we play. And when I woke up the first time, I'm like, oh, yes, I am this Ingrid that came to do this work. Oh, okay, yes, yes. This is the character I'm playing here. But I have to ask you, you've mentioned that you've worked with NASA and the U.S. military and the U.S. Navy. Um, does, I mean, are you still working in that environment? Have you left, have you retired from the, that work or... Have you, are you doing this full-time? Because I imagine that the military and NASA, not so much with the different realms, not so much with the beings of light. It, 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 it could be, and I've had other, I've had other channels who were in the military and were at the highest levels of the military with the president who then became out and like, I'm a channel now. So it's the, the when, when we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. It's one thing when you're, when you have these experiences and this is the only thing that you've had and there's nothing wrong with that. But when you have people like yourself who are an accomplished person who is in a very grounded career for many, many years, and then chooses to come out with this or chooses to talk about this publicly, that to me is very interesting because it's, it doesn't connect logically. 
Logically, mm-hmm. it doesn't connect. Spiritually, it connects, but logically, it doesn't. So do you still work in the marine biology field? I don't. It was like, no, when I pretty much decided to just call it come out of the spiritual closet. closet yes, yes. I'm very well aware of that closet. <laughs> Everything changed. Not that I even, um, it was that this inner sense, I'm done with this. I'm done with this. It, it was, I almost even got sick. There was a point that I, in the hospital because it was like that fear of, I wanted to leave this, the, the world of what I was doing, but it was the fear of how can I live if I imagine things were this extreme because I became very successful in my career. I was, um, I, you can uh, search, I wrote books, science articles. I, um, and in the field of oceanography, not many, um, there's not many women. Right. So I became kind of like the star of the Navy. In, Lat- in Latina women, even in less. Latina, exactly. So I was pretty much the PhD oceanographer, Latino woman. I represented all that. Unicorn. Yeah. You're the unicorn. <laughs> You're the unicorn. And I was, the Navy was taking me to all the countries in South America to just, just um, bring, uh, yeah, we were working with, technology with science with information and it was just amazing and I I cannot tell you I I mean I was having good time I did really good with my career I accomplished a lot and also like I said when I said to you that I cut with the beans so like doesn't mean that when you're raised with certain values you keep these values and you keep this with you so Throughout my career, I use all that that I learned in the first few years to be the best at what I was doing. And when I worked in Colombia with a mangrove mangrove project, it was incredible because we were extremely successful because it was working with making people conscious about the value of the resources. So see, my work was always directed to how can we create consciousness. My work with NASA was working with climate change. How can we create consciousness about this? With the Navy supporting the troops, and 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 it, it was I, I was the first one like creating an amazing project where I developed what is called a geodatabase. It was an amazing thing I accomplished with years of work. So I was very accomplished. But what happened is, Alex, when I had this, I. This big awakening is when I said, maybe I can use this word. I felt, and it's funny, I felt like I was being activated. It's time for you to, <laughs> it's to enough, do this other part. Enough with the marine biology. You've done your job. Now yes. it's now it's time to get to the real work. <laughs> exactly. And then I started to feel that sense of nervousness and anxiety because I published my book. I was mm-hmm. holding this high uh clearances and i'm like what is it going to happen if someday <laughs> maybe nothing but it was like i don't know if people know that i am doing this other thing and are you crazy yeah. you talk to being so light you lost your cuckoo and i'm mm-hmm. like so i just started to but oh you know in another way alex when i was traveling around the world i've been in 56 countries of the world and when I was going in all these um, uh, oceanographic surveys, I started to meet people that we would just share kind of like, hey, 
what and then you see spirits and you do this and everywhere i went in incredibly i was meeting people that were like and they always say i don't have anybody to talk about about these subjects so it, it was like so my call started to be even stronger like what if i could be this voice what if i like the same thing i, I am doing representing women science latino i can do in the spiritual space side of the space side of the house and then it was a moment i wrote the book the book went out and i'm like it's time it's time and i felt the call i felt the call i felt the call like i said to you it took me to get sick end up in the hospital thinking i was having a heart attack to say i'm done and you know you know when you know you're ready when i just say the true warrior is not the one that is fearless. Is the one that, despite the fear, goes to battle. So I love that that quote, and I applied it to my life. It was the sense of like there was a lot of fear, but I was ready for the battle. I now I'm ready. So I, I want to ask you this question since you're you know you're a scientist, you're you know a PhD, and you you've been a very grounded person in that field. The 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 field of quantum physics and quantum mechanics is getting closer and closer to what the yogis uh, and they've been talking about for thousands of years and many other uh, either religions or philosophies and ancient texts have been talking about concepts that now quantum physics is starting to touch upon where they literally just came out with simulation theory and mathematicians said, no, it's the math is there. This is it's very, very likely we're in a simulation and the math makes sense. Can you imagine that 20 years ago? Like that real scientist, not crackpots, like st- down the middle, straight, respected scientists, peer-reviewed papers uh, are talking like this. Where do you think this is going as far as science and spirituality meeting because it seems like it's getting closer and closer. They're starting to talk the same language uh, as much as many scientists might not want to agree with it. But the quantum physics is fascinating to me and mechanic quantum mechanics. Yes. And I, it's Alex, I, I always say it's because the separation is in the mind. Mm-hmm. So I said to people, it's just people don't have clarity of what a spirituality is. The thing that a spirituality is something to do with dogma, with religion, is not. A spirituality is going back to your authentic self. But how you go back to that if you don't have an idea who you are? By applying the scientific method. And so, spirituality is science. What am I talking? How can you know that the sort of that you are is compassion, love, patience, joy, peace, greatness expansion multi-dimensional stuff that english is talking about go do it yourself oh what is that thing that you call compassion go apply it nobody's i'm not telling you you have to believe me i'm going to tell you go do it if you ask me ingrid you believe this and this and this and that i don't believe anything i know because I have been there. I have been doing it. I have been practicing it. I've been practicing meditation since I was eight years old. See? So it's like 
when you are able to do this, you start tapping deeper into the truth that you are. So I said, I can tell you, hey, say that there's a cloudy, there's clouds everywhere. And I can tell you, Alex, well, after these clouds, beyond these clouds, there is a sky. The moment you choose to believe me, that's what start creating the dogma. Like, oh, I believe what you're saying, but I don't have a way to prove it. What about you say, I'm going to build me an airplane and I'm going to go beyond those clouds. That's when the science comes. So it's the part where I say, we apply the scientific method. Oh, you want to know um, how spiritual, how compassion works, how this works. Okay. First, you become an observer. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Oh, then we're applying awareness. Then you write your hypothesis. Is there a sky beyond these clouds? Blah, blah. Okay, you create your thing. You build your airplane. Then now you say with compassion, you start practicing it. What happened when I practice this thing called compassion? Now you get a result and now you can compare. See, you apply the scientific method. You have to just do it yourself in order to find it, in order to rediscover it, in order to get aligned and, and tap into it. I said to people, like you just saying before, it's very different to have all the cognitive knowledge about, say, orange juice and how to prepare orange juice and the chemistry and the physiology and how to pick and grow the oranges and a different thing to drink the juice. That's when you are scientific and you are spiritual. You are doing and you are experiencing it and feeling it and comparing it. And you know, in this realm of, of, of being human, is the perfect ground mm. because there's contrast. Oh, and with yeah. all these contrasts is where we can. Uh, I said to people because people say, "Ask me how then why we forget what is all this? Why we forget who we truly are?" And I said, I give the most simple analogy. I said, like, imagine a little baby. A little baby come to this world and is so pure and innocent, but the baby doesn't know that it came from the mom have idea same thing we're these little babies that emanated from god from the the cosmic consciousness and we don't know who we are and this is the journey to remember in a conscious manner that we are consciousness see but because the mind is fragmented to think that oh but when and in this life is my answer no we are a parenthesis Ingrid is just a parenthesis in the eternity of my existence. And then through all this journey, I've been comparing, I've been having all these challenges, all these contrasts. This ego here is what is that voice there because it's showing me the contrast I need to remember. Because like I said to people, how can you know happiness if you have never been sad? Right. See? How could you know 
who you are, you have to start from, this is not what I, I'm not this, I'm not this, I'm not this, I'm not this, and you're, oh, this is what I am. Right, right, right. Um, Ingrid, I can keep talking to you for hours. I, I, I'm going to ask you a few questions I ask all of my guests. Um, what is your definition of a good life? Ah, for me, a good life is a life in which I can see the goodness behind everything. I say to people that to me, God is playing hide and seek. And what if I learn to see the goodness behind everything? And that's the, for, to me, that's applying the free will, the true meaning of free will. People think that they know free will because they choose what to eat, how to wear, what to study. And I said, no, you, that's not free will. You're conditioned by your culture. Free will is that decision that you make. Do I want to be in the path of suffering? Call it the cul-de-sac of suffering, being trapped in the narrative of me and poor me and my dramas. Or stop and say, what is this for? That's when I live life. What is this trying to show me? Because from there is when I can go deeper. And when I can create that pause and that presence and that spaciousness, what is this trying to show me? Oh, God, is, is that a game of playing hide? Oh, he's hiding here for me to rediscover this. So I start feeling that everything in life is actually a gift. I don't call challenges problems. I call them challenging opportunities. And how can I become the master of the wave in the ocean? How can I see the good behind everything and that's how life becomes so amazing I'm, I'm playing this game called life <laughs> and another thing there is not that right only life and this is the opportunity to remember that how do you define god everything <laughs> joy peace abundance connection it's just like absolute wholeness yeah I, oh gosh that's not a even bit, that's a big question that's a big question yes oh gosh god is everything and, <laughs> and where can people find out more about you and the work that you're doing i have a website in called ingridhonkala.com i have a youtube channel I have um, oh, the media, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and and I um, also have a newsletter if people want to subscribe through my website where I offer, I do um, classes and I mentor and I uh, do retreats and I do one-on-one -on -one sessions and just all kind of things, interviews, all kind of things I can do to just bring the message and is there a message that you would like to leave the audience with yes and this goes also link with that part of living life and i said to people learn to navigate learn to be in that place of gratitude gratitude is the highest vibrational frequency there is 
and if you don't know yet how to experience God or how to sense goodness or wellness, just learn to be in that space of gratitude. But people can ask how I get there. I don't know how to be grateful. I don't know how to be simple. And the way you saw life brought this analogy, this, this awareness to me. They said, Ingrid, you don't imagine how grateful everyone would be if they realize that for you to exist, trillions and trillions and trillions of subatomic particles have to be in agreement. What? They say you are a divine intention. Wow. wow. Trillions of particles, subatomic particles decided to be this. And they hold me together. I get up in the morning, I'm like, there's a life force that allow these hands to move this body. And when I grab anything, even a pen, and I am like trillions of subatomic particles are in connection for this pain to happen. And this pain and, and this idea, this creativity came from the mind of a person that was in connection with conscious universal creativity. And from there, we create things. So now I look at a pen and I'm like, thank you. I drink water and I'm like, this water. So see like how we can live life to the fullness, like being present, being in that state of elevated gratitude and appreciation. Ingrid, thank you again so much for coming on the show. It's been a wonderful, wonderful conversation. And I appreciate uh, you being so honest and and raw with us about your experience and, and throughout life and uh, the work that you're doing to hopefully help everyone elevate and evolve and awaken uh, our species. So I appreciate you, my dear. Thank you so much, Alex. And thank you for the work that you do being a voice to be able to span these messages further. This is it. We have to work together, all of us, to be that voice. <laughs> I want to thank Ingrid so much for coming on the show and sharing her journey with all of us. If you want to get links to anything we spoke about in this episode, head over to the show notes at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash 153. And if you've only been listening to this over podcast and you want to watch these amazing conversations, please subscribe to our YouTube channel at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash YouTube. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, trust the journey. It is here to teach you. I'll talk to you soon.